rotten motherfucker. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Most Homeless Podcast. I'm your host, Dammit Damien. All right, buddies. This week's episode, we have a special episode for you because uh, this week we have Adam from the Copyrights. That's right. One of my favorite pop punk bands of all time, the Copyrights. And uh, Chris Rowe, we randomly ran into at Riot Fest. We talked to him for about, I don't know, five, ten minutes as well. Um, Another one of my favorite pop punk bands of all time, if it hadn't, you know, I was a huge Atari's fan in the late 90s, early 2000s. And it's weird because we ran into him randomly uh, backstage waiting for Against Me to go on, and he knew who I was. He remembered me from the previous interview we had done, and that kind of just takes my breath away a little bit, buddies. Uh, But this was supposed to be the Riot Fest coverage episode. Um, but God damn it, shit happens, friends. Things don't always work out the way they're supposed to. And what happened with this episode is we got press passes for Riot Fest. Uh, they came a little later than uh, we were hoping. I got it on, I got, I got Riot Fest press pass confirmation for Denver. I got those Monday afternoon. The festival is this weekend. That leaves a very little time to set interviews up. Now, I'm not complaining. This is a huge ordeal to, to put upon. And Heather West, uh, the PR director for Riot Fest, uh, all three incarnations of Riot Fest, did a wonderful job. She, killer, great, 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 great. But uh, just, you know, two, uh, a couple days doesn't really leave a lot of time to set up interviews, yada, yada, yada. So I had my trusty microphone in hand, and we just went running around trying to find everybody to interview. And what I found was very common. I kept running into people backstage, like we ran into the guys from Rancid. All the guys from Rise Against were there. I don't know why they didn't play, but all the Rise Against dudes were there. Um, Chuck Reagan, uh, Dan Andronio, I think that's how you say his name, from Alkaline Trio. I ran into him several times. But here was the thing is, whenever we'd run into somebody, they were going to go watch a band play, and they're like, hey, we'll do an interview after the set. And then, of course, after the set, you can't find them. Um, rather than, you know, yada, yada, yada. Shit happened. We didn't get the interviews we wanted to get. But we got to hang out with our buddy Chris Rowe a whole lot. Uh, everywhere I went, me and him ended up standing around watching bands together. Now, with this press pass, it allowed you to go backstage. I think it was mostly designed for photographers to get backstage so they get easy access to take photos for front row photos for the websites, blogs, newspapers. Um, so we did get allowed backstage pass access and whatnot. Um, and for me... We were trying to get up side stage for every fucking act. Uh, me and my buddy Ross from ForTheLoveOfPunk.com. And we did pretty well. Like, I, I got to admit, I was I was a little stoked. Uh, against me, right up front on side stage. Super Chunk, same thing. Watched them from side stage. Uh, and then you kind of ran, in, ran into some problems where slowly the Argus Rent-A-Security staff had slowly started to discover, like, press passes aren't supposed to be on stage. So then we, we uh, had a little bit of problems. Uh, getting up backstage to see a couple bands, but still watch them from behind the stage. And let me tell you, like those monitor mixers were fucking fantastic. But uh, we're get, uh, this this episode is kind of sponsored by New Noise Magazine. New Noise Magazine is the magazine I write for. I'm in the middle of doing a write up of my Riot Fest adventures. It's not necessarily a review. Uh, it's not necessarily an interview thing. It's more or less uh, just the dumb adventures I found myself in. So I'm not going to ramble too much on here. Uh, visit newnoisemagazine.com. It should be up in the next week. Visit, uh, follow us on mostlyharmlesspodcast.com and 
like us on Facebook, and I'll make sure to uh, throw that up, throw those links up there when my Riot Fest adventures are up there. Believe me, they're pretty cool. Not as cool as my Chicago adventures where I randomly jumped into a cab with Tony from Victory Records and Springer from SSD, but still pretty damn good adventures of hanging out and meeting some cool people. And, uh, I mean, I got to see Chuck D and Lars Fredrickson. Uh, you know, Chuck D of Public Enemy, Lars Fredrickson of Rancid and, and all those other uh, Rancid Side Project bands. I, I got to watch them hanging out, broing out right before Public Enemy went on. I got a photo. I got a ton of photos that we're going to throw up on the New Noise Magazine website. Uh, all that and more. So we're going to cut cut ahead and go ahead and talk to Adam from the Copyrights. Again, so I'm not terribly happy with this interview, and it's not because Adam was bad. It's because I'm bad. Like, you know, I shouldn't talk negatively because it gives you a negative context going into it, but I'd like to apologize. Um, what I find when I interview some of my favorite musicians and bands is sometimes I get tongue-tied and stumbled. And in this case, I drink way too much caffeine, which is often the case. Um, and I, I found myself answering the questions for Adam instead of letting letting things just naturally occur. Uh, that is a problem I've noticed. That is a problem I'm working on. I just wanted to uh, bring that to the light here that I know that my dumb ass needs to stop ask, answering the questions that I'm asking the musicians, as you'll hear in a minute. Uh, Adam's a great dude. Uh, copyrights never fail to impress me. I've seen them twice now, which is hard to believe because I've been following them for so long. I should have seen them a hundred times by now, but we talk about all that here in today's episode. We're going to go ahead and open up this interview with Adam from the Copyrights. We're going to open it up with Worn Out Passport, which is one of my favorite all-time copyright songs, and it's off their newest record, North Sentinel Island, which was uh, produced by... Matt Allison from Atlas Studios, who has been on this podcast before. Uh, if you're new to the show, visit mostlyharmlesspodcast.com and uh, go check out that interview too. It's a pretty good interview. Uh, yeah, so let's uh, let's go ahead. Let's let's listen to this, buddies. I wanna die with the word
All right, uh, we're hanging out in front of the Marquee Theater here in Denver, Colorado. Yep. Uh, with uh, Adam yeah. from the Copyrights. Hello. You're Hi. also in Dear Landlord too, right? I am in Dear Landlord. Yeah. yeah which is a mostly completely separate band. Well, Brett, uh, who plays guitar in the Copyrights, yeah. is also in Dear Landlord, so we're yeah. we're close. I don't know if you remember. Uh, I booked the show in Colorado Springs with you guys and Off of Their Heads five, six, seven years ago. With the, with the Nobodies? No- with the Nobodies. Of course. That was yeah. Brad's birthday. I'll never oh. forget that show. I, yeah. The only thing I remember about that show is I bought Bra- uh, Ryan Young a shot of Jameson. Uh-huh. He took it, put up his hand and said, uh, I'll be right back. Went to the bathroom, threw up, came back, and uh, we finished our conversation. Yeah. Brett got so drunk, he literally fell over in his chair, the bar stool that night. Oh, it was good. Straight backwards. Just. Yeah. I don't really remember much else of that night other than it was it was fun. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. Um, all right, so uh, this is less of an interview, more of just two dudes bullshitting in a van in front of a show, watching other people. Sounds good to me. Uh, so you're, so you're, the band, the copyrights, are based out of Carbondale, Illinois. Yeah, yeah. How did you end up there? Uh, well, I'm from there. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, me and Luke uh, McNeil, the drummer and main songwriter in the band, uh, we're both from a really small town called Carterville, Illinois, which is uh, right next to yeah. Carbondale, small little southern Illinois town. So yeah, we're from the area, and we've all moved around and stuff, but uh, we still use that as our home base. Yeah. Are you still living there? Yeah, actually, my wife and I moved back there what? about three years ago. You were living so. with Chicago? Yeah, we lived in Chicago. Yeah. What brought you back to Carbondale? Uh, job. My wife got a job that oh, nice. was... Real estate's cheaper there, too. Yeah, so dirt was, cheaper. Yeah. And, yeah, it's all right. That's cool. I remember I was on tour with this um, Refused-esque band. Yeah. Uh, we played, it might have been that town you just said that's name, I've already forgotten. We played the VFW Hall uh, of Carbondale of that area. Uh, Wait, what was the name of the band? I don't, uh, the band was Harrison Bergeron. Um, we played with a bunch of high school bands. And it was in... It was in the. T- it wasn't actually in Carbondale. So it could have been either. There were two things. There was a town called Heron that had a place called Hits that had a bunch of all ages hardcore band shows. Yeah. And then there was for a small time, there was a place in a town called Murfreesboro that was like uh, had a Davis McCann Center place that was like I, people could. I'm pretty sure that's where we played. Really? Yeah. That'd be crazy if you played there because that was one of the spots that whenever, see. It's like a really small town, and there was never, mm-hmm. uh, there was no all ages place right. that doesn't that didn't exist. So when me and Luke started playing music, we would just literally set up in the park in our town and just play, and call it a show. And then we started renting out like the only places that you were allowed to rent out, like a hall. And we'd be like, yeah, we're gonna, just gonna have like a birthday party, and then we'd have like bands. So we started doing that at that place too a long time yeah. ago, and then That's there were some kids that kind of took over after a while. And I I don't remember much of anything about the show. It was right at that point where like. The band I was touring with, I, I was just their roadie roommate, whatever, yeah. who jumped in. They were playing Refuse type stuff. Yeah. And then the whole thrice uh, metalcore uh-huh. scene kind of took over. Right. So I, I kind of remember the local bands being like more of that genre. I remember all the kids wanting to buy merch, claiming they were broke. <laughs> and then we went to a house party afterwards, and all these kids suddenly had money going like, hey, you guys are of age. Can you go buy us yeah. beer? Oh, wow. And uh, that's that's my only room. Huh. Well, then we went to this really weird cottage motel esque place, and I ended up not sleeping with this girl, but in sharing a bed with her and waking up the next morning not knowing who the hell she was. It was an yeah, interesting night. Sounds like Carbondale. Um, so, so about Carbondale. So, you guys, why did you? Well, one, before we get there, oh, yeah? how old are you now? Uh, I'm 31. I'm almost 32. Right, cool. I'll be 32. And I'm, 
I'm 32, so we're roughly the same age. Yeah. Um, so you're growing up in Murphy's, or not Murfreesboro, Carbondale. Yeah. And uh, in that general vicinity. Yeah. How did you discover music for the first time, like this kind of music, punk rock in general? Because um, it was kind of right before the internet really took it, well, off. Yeah, and I got into it at a really young age, and I got into it mostly through skateboarding. Yeah. I was into skateboarding whenever I was a kid, because that was, like, the Bones Brigade was coming out, and it was big. Skateboarding was a big deal, and I thought it was cool. So I started getting, you know, Thrasher Magazine and <laughs> stuff, and I, uh, you know, notes from the underground and all that stuff sent me in that direction. And also, I, I, I guess I would, the, the older guys I was hanging out with that yeah. were, you know, in junior high or high school at that time were into punk rock, so it just kind of yeah. trickled down that way. For for me, it was the B, I was a BMX kid, so it was the BMX okay. videos and magazines. Yeah, and I remember seeing the ad. I'd just gotten into it, and I'd seen the ad for Punkorama two. Okay, it was like twenty one bands, four bucks. Yeah, and I'm like this is punk rock. Right, right. So that's what yeah. got me further into it too. Um, are you the oldest? Do you have like older brothers, sisters I, that were in I this have, kind of stuff? I'm just me. By just myself. you. Wow, yeah. lucky so, you. Yeah. Uh, so when so what was the like the first band you really latched onto? Or like this is my favorite band. Uh, oh man, favorite band. Um, I think a band that actually really that I latch onto a lot. I don't know if they were my favorite band, but I, I definitely still play out. It was Minor Threat. Nice. Yeah. And I just say that because that was one of the first bands that, like, you know, they're when you're getting into punk rock. Obviously, that's like a someone's gonna give you the Minor Threat album first yeah. or very early on. But I never like had. I don't think I'd ever experienced lyrics that were so straightforward and were just like about something and pissed off and I kind of latched onto that a lot but I was into like a lot of stuff I I mean I love DRI uh, I was into skateboard shit so yeah. uh, you know um, what uh, what one of my favorite songs is Planet Earth 1994 yeah okay um, with you know and I know you don't write the lyrics but still like I, you can kind of feel that Green Day especially that early Green Day vibe in there um, and they were one of my gateway bands too. But right. Yeah. It almost seems like you're in, in that song. You guys are kind of like, eh. or at least I know in that period of time it was cool to like Green Day. Then it wasn't cool to like Green Day. <laughs> and then it got cool again around Dookie, but it wasn't really cool. But I still love the shadow. Well, Dookie. yeah. I mean, I think probably uh, the, the reference in that song is mostly yeah. about just that the time period because I got into punk rock and skateboarding before that whole dookie wave yeah. a little bit so i remember going to school and everyone was in the green day after <laughs> that summer and i was like wait what what is going on so yeah i was like you know that's not yeah. punk it's i mean the misfits or whatever you know fucking little shit stuff yeah but, uh so so when did you start playing when did you first pick up that instrument uh you know i started playing guitar well i fiddled around with a guitar uh in junior high like seventh grade um probably like 1991 or 92 or something no yeah maybe 92 but then i i i got a bass i bought a bass guitar from a friend of mine uh for my 14th birthday um so i then started playing the bass shortly after that me and luke just started jamming together because we were the only two people that were into like (laughs) I don't even know how we met, but we somehow yeah. met each other. So. I met most of my friends, just, and, and it's weird. I've, it's still kind of that way. You wear the punk rock T-shirt yeah, to right. the mall, and you see the other punk rock yeah. kid wearing the T-shirt. That, used to, we that used to be a big deal, or even just like a little, like a 
pyramid spiked bracelet was like a yeah. giveaway, but now it's like uh, it's usually makes me do the opposite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But whatever. Uh, so, so you guys started playing. When did it? How long did it take to evolve into what it's become now? A long time. We were yeah. in a band. We were in a local band in Carbondale called uh, Malaco Plus for like almost ten years. And then we broke up for a little bit, and then wanted to start something else. So then we just started the copyrights. And how long has that been now? Ten years. Wow! Congrats. Maybe a little more. Yeah. Don't. Who's counting? Yeah, I know, so. right? I'm sure there's a date written in our notebook somewhere. Maybe. Yeah. Um. So I grew up in a super small town of Shreveport, Louisiana. Okay. Um. You know, middle north. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know Shreveport. It sucks. It's nowhere worth really going. Um. But a lot of the local bands that grew up there, it, it produced some really strong musicians. Not necessarily bands that went anywhere because all you had to do was practice. Yeah. Yeah. Right. All yeah. you did was practice. Yeah. There weren't any shows. Yeah. Um, how, how did growing up in a small town benefit you guys? That's the. That is something like Carbondale is a. Carbondale is a small college town in the furthest south you can get in the state of Illinois. So you have a lot of kids that come from Chicago and just want to get the hell away from their parents yeah. but not get out of state. And you can still take the train back home five hours, you know. So it's kind of – and it also was a party school. So it just attracted these – forever it's attracted artists and musicians and hippies and bohemians yeah. or whatever. So it's always had a really good culture of, of musicians – I would say the problem with a lot of them are it's just they're going to school there yeah. and then they move away in four years. So the bands that they form, they might be great for four years or they might not play long enough to perfect their craft yeah. and move on. But uh, I know exactly what you mean where it's a small town and there's a lot of time, a lot of dead time for people to just practice three nights a week or five nights a week, whatever. You know, It definitely yeah. leads to a better musician. I've also noticed with some of these bands, like Teenage Bottle Rocket, of course, is from Laramie, Mm -hmm. Wyoming, small town, um, not a lot of bands that come through there, and not a lot of bands that are there, Yeah, but they get to make those bonds with those bands that help them go to the next level. Yeah, 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 of course. I I assume that helped work with you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've always, Carbondale's always had a good uh, punk scene forever of small basement shows of, you know, bands coming through on tour and that whole thing, so... Um, how often were you guys booking shows at the uh, back there? Like, I booked shows a lot. Uh, I, that's what I did. I booked a lot of punk shows for yeah. a long time in Carbondale, and I was I I carried that weight on my shoulders for years. <laughs> I don't do it anymore that I moved yeah. back because there's other people that took over. But I booked shows everywhere, yeah. and there's a lot of I, like even just thinking about it makes my back tense up. <laughs> all the stress. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm assuming that helped form bonds with other it did. bands. That helped it did, and we started. Bands. I started booking shows really early on because we had book your own fucking life, and we would just look up bands and be like, "Hey, yeah, there's a place you can play if you want to come here." And of course, you know, you get flooded with phone calls and messages. And yeah. Uh, what I like about so when you guys just started playing, I know you guys have played together for ten years, but it, it just whenever I listen to the records, it feels so easy. Like it, it seems like it must be easy for you guys just get in the room and write hit records. Is it? <laughs> uh, I mean, we we definitely have a style that we stick to. Yeah. So, is yeah. there a formula, or is it just like, yeah, that doesn't sound like a copyright song? Let's. Uh, there's a little bit of that, but for the most part, we don't. Uh, 
we don't try to not experiment yeah. with things so yeah is uh how different is that from like dear landlord uh well it's different i mean dear landlord was just or is yeah two of the guys live one guy lives in florida now one guy lives in minneapolis so it's really hard to do stuff and uh for a period of time zach and brad moved to carbondale for about a year yeah. so we wrote the record and stuff then so um copyright stuff now Luke lives three hours north. We have, you know, we can demo stuff, so we demo stuff some back yeah. and forth. So. God bless the internet. It's a hey. beautiful thing. <laughs> uh, speaking of the internet, I first discovered you guys thanks to uh, Mitch Clem. Oh, okay. Uh, there was like, I forget what year, I think it was right around Make Sound came yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. He listed that as yeah. one of his favorite records. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, at the time, eMusic was still a website people used. Like, I paid 20 bucks a month. I could get 100 P3 downloads for 20 bucks a month. It was retarded. And I remember just going through Mitch Klim's lists and just downloading everything he had and just falling <laughs> madly and madly in love with, with Make Sound. Uh, cool. Um, do, do, do you find a lot of people find you out because of the Internet? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, that's your number one gateway <laughs> as a band. Especially nowadays. It used to be, you know. Uh, there's there's a documentary called 1994 that yeah. hasn't been released. You can find it on YouTube I've about 90. Yeah. So it's like it used to be you submit your uh, your songs to skate and surf videos, and now it's just, hey, here's all my space. You put them on the internet. Yeah. Um, do, does it ever get overwhelming, you know, this kind of internet discovery, relying on that nowadays? Do you find you rely on it? That's actually We don't really rely say. on it that much. We're not, like, the most active... Uh, social media band we do have all of that shit you know facebook twitter Bandcamp, but all of it instagram uh which is you know a good way to get people to pay attention to you i guess it's a you you have to do it you have to do it now (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i find that you guys just tour so little um up until last year when you guys came through with two cow i had been just i'd missed the boat on your early colorado tours yeah and it was just like, please come to Colorado. I was—I remember writing. I used to work with your old booking agent, uh, Chris Paulus. Oh, okay. And yeah. I would beg him. I was like, get them out of here. And he's like, they're not coming that way, dude. Yeah, it's just hard to get all the way out here. Yeah. Denver is, uh, we got to be dedicated to going all the way out to the West Coast, which, you know, we usually do about once a year. It's just, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's not easy to come down here and not, back up. Yeah. We know. We get yeah. it. Um, but it does feel like you guys just, you guys, it, the band... Do you perceive it as a part-time band? Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I'm sure, is it always sitting in the back of your mind, regardless, though? The band? Yeah. Yeah, there's always something planned three months <laughs> down the road. I mean, it never ends yeah. with the planning. We just, we're not the band anymore that is going to try to tour yeah. four months out of the year. I mean, we did that a few times, and that's fine. But now we're older and like to stay at home and yeah. uh, go on yeah. tour, maybe months out of the yeah. year <laughs> and then you guys all have real lives and full-time yeah. jobs and yeah stuff, we've right? all got uh, stuff going uh, on and like this is what two and a half weeks i take it that's barely easy to take off two and a half weeks to go oh uh, yeah i all in all and is that being a little over three weeks with the rest of it but right. yeah that's, travel time what do you what do you do for a living I uh i work for a vintage guitar shop <laughs> well lucky guitar you. company yeah, yeah that's awesome for a while congrats thank you um I, I heard Toby call this tour the Monsters of Pop Punk tour. Oh, okay. I haven't heard that yet. <laughs> uh, he was talking about it on a uh, punk news podcast um, for the official punk news podcast. Uh-huh. Like, I've been trying to get them to call it that. Who knows? He might have come up 
with it off the top of his head. <laughs> Probably. But, uh, um, do you guys enjoy being lumped in on this kind of tour, or is it like, man, give me a, it's like it, it's all pop punk. It's all really good pop punk. Thank God. No, this will be a good like, tour. Yeah, It'll be great. Pretty uh, stoked. Yeah, I mean the Queers and Teenage Bottle Rocket are great bands. It's, yeah. it's a rarity that we get to play with awesome bands every night. Yeah. So, would you do you like playing on this kind of bill, or would you like it a little bit more mixed up? I'm sure there's pluses and minuses. There's, yeah, it goes either way. If the yeah. bands are, if the pop punk bands are good, fuck yeah, I love to play them. If they're a shitty band, then no, <laughs> uh, Brett's about to open the door. Um, there, there for a hot minute, it seemed like you guys were. Hey, what's up? Oh, hey. hey. I was sent to get stuff, but I'll wait. One minute, yeah. Yeah, just like yeah, a minute. Uh, it seems like there for a minute, you guys were recording an album every six months. You guys have taken a little bit more time off. It, it, of course, I'm exaggerating a little bit. Um, <laughs> we put out an album every year for a while. Yeah, but uh, with North Sentinel, there was there was a little bit more time. Wasn't yeah, there? there was a gap. Yeah, uh, how did how did that time factor into that record? Did uh, it make it better, worse, or looser? Well, we spent a long I spent a long time doing vocals on that record, and it was also the type of situation where uh, our friend Matt Allison would great dude yeah good guy he just offered to let us record for however long it took to make the record sound right we recorded for a while and then took a long time to get mixed and all that stuff and we weren't really in that big of a rush so might as well put it out whenever we're yeah. ready to support it so we yeah. had some tours around that uh matt's a killer dude i've i i he's been on here before too oh okay past. i interviewed him last year at ride fest yeah nicest coolest sweetest love dude. matt allison good uh, friend um, so, you you guys have worked with a few different producers. Uh, what do you learn each time you work with somebody different? Um, well, I'm trying to think. Well, I mean, or is it pretty much the same? It's pretty much the same. The only person we've ever worked with, besides just doing it ourselves at Sonic Iguana, is Matt. Who? Okay. I mean, he taught me a lot. He taught us all a lot about you know patience <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, and vocal, some vocal techniques that it definitely helped right in the studio. So, yeah. Um, well, so North Central Island, it's been out for a little while. What's next for you guys, other than this two-week tour? Got a new record written. Nice. We're planning on recording it in December, at least starting to record it in December. Should be out by the spring. And then uh, we already got a, plans to go over to Europe and then whatever pops up in the United States to support it. Cool. We're doing that too. So. No more headlining tours or anything? Or you guys you never that? know. I mean, yeah. we always just go out whenever we want to go out. So if it's just us by ourselves, we'll do it. Cool. So. Well, if you ever want to come back through here, you're more than welcome. We love it here. I love you guys here. I'm so, <laughs> so. sappy. I was so bummed. I missed you guys at uh, the high dive last time you came through, but then I great. drove all the way up to uh, Surfside 7 and saw you guys on the way back. Yeah, okay. And that was awesome. High dive show was really good. <sighs> I'm very good. I missed it. Yeah. You guys like broke a kick drum at the uh, Surfside 7 yeah, show. Yeah, that's right. That was, was a, a bummer. It was a good, it was a good show, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tonight's going to be awesome. Yeah. Um, so I'd be remiss. People would yell at me. Uh, any future Dear Landlord plans at all whatsoever? Yeah. Uh, nothing set in stone. I don't really know. Yeah. That's what I know. That's fair enough. We had some demos we recorded a long time ago. Uh, we've got some songs laying around here and there. It's just everybody's schedule is busy. And yeah. We That's don't, the ultimate 
part-time yeah. band. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah I, I got a buddy of mine in Louisiana who's just obsessed with it. I'm like, you know, it's, it's two of the dudes from the copyrights. He's like, yeah, but I, I don't yeah. You know, it's people right. got their favorites. So. That's true. Well, uh, Adam, I don't have anything else for you. You got any, anything for me? I don't have anything yeah. for you. But well, cool, man. Thanks for uh, doing the interview. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for putting out a few of my favorite records. <laughs> no problem. Not to kiss your butt too much. No problem. Um, yeah, well, let's shut this off. All right, thanks, man. Well, all right, buddies. Well, uh, that was me, again, hanging out with uh, Adam from the Copyrights right outside uh, the Marquee Theater in Denver, Colorado. Uh, you can hear in the background, I guess I should have said this in the earlier part, but you can hear in the background the Gamut starting their set. Uh, one of the reasons the interview was so short was because Adam really wanted to see the Gamuts, and I can't... Uh, you know, I can't blame them because the Gamuts are one of the best fucking Denver bands and one of the best pop-punk bands in the world. Uh, so we're about to listen to our short little interview with Chris Rowe from the Ataris, who we just randomly ran into uh, backstage at Riot Fest Denver uh, right before Against Me went on. It was kind of one of those like, holy shit, Chris Rowe, what are you doing here? Uh, we'll hear all about that in a minute. Uh, I do want to just mention that the highlights of the whole festival um, – if, if you followed it at all, uh, Saturday, the replacements headlined. It was awesome. Somehow I ended up backstage for the replacements. Blew my fucking mind. Uh, we're going to tell that story in our newnoise.com recap that's coming up. Um, but, uh, you know, Sunday... Sunday morning, I barred, bar backed for one of the tents. Uh, I'm broke as hell. I need the money. So, well, let's go make some money uh, slinging some beers at the tents. And... Uh, Jeff, who is co-running the festival, he's like the bar manager for the whole festival. Uh, he's the GM at the summit, and uh, one of my longtime friends comes over to our tent and warns us. He's like, there is going to be weather. It's going to be bad, and we're probably going to have to shut down the festival. We're expecting it to roll in about 4 o'clock. Hail, lightning, thunder, high winds. Shit's going to get real. Uh, the weather didn't actually hit until about 9 o'clock. Uh, 8 o'clock in the middle of flag set which I had somehow weaseled my way backstage for and uh, it, it felt like the gods were punishing me for uh, violating the rules and making my way backstage but eh, oh well shit happens um, I w ended up sitting at my buddy's campsite I couldn't find any shelter well I didn't look really hard I went looking for my buddies because I didn't know if my ride was going to leave or not so I went to go to where my buddies were I sat out in the rain watched all this happen got soaking wet but it was fun but when Rancid came on holy shit they blew everybody away they only played like a 30-40 minute set versus the hour and, a, hour and a half that they had scheduled but it was my favorite set of the whole weekend I think they took that energy that, that angst and that, that scaredness that we all had and just fucking threw it all out there and it was fantastic uh, I did see the guys backstage but I did not um, really approach them I said hey I write for this magazine any chance for a quote hey man we're going to go watch uh, Public Enemy real quick we'll catch you here in a second and then of course that that happened a lot over the weekend. I uh, ran into a lot of people were like, hey, we're going to go catch this set. We'll talk to you in a minute. Come track us down. Come find us. And then uh, Chris Rowe from the Ataris was one of the uh, only guys who actually sat down to talk to me. So we're going to go ahead and talk with him uh, real quick. Uh, we're not going to play an Atari song because Chris has already been on the show. Uh, I, I don't want to overdo it with Atari stuff. Uh, go go to mostlyharmlesspodcast.com and listen to our earlier interview with Chris Rowe. Uh, it's one of the earliest ones, and I'm very, very happy with it, and I'm very happy to have uh, met and hung out with Chris Rowe again backstage at Riot Fest. And again, I apologize for not having any other Riot Fest uh, bands 
visit us on the show. Um, that's my own. That's my own insecurities and my own problem. My own fault. So uh, let's let's listen to what Chris Rose got to say from backstage at Riot Fest, and uh, this gives you a hint of what we were going for when it, in terms of uh, what we were going to ask all the other bands. So here we go. Fuck, I feel like all such right, a That's douche. all right. That's fine. We'll, we'll start all over again, but now, now we're all prepared. All right, so randomly, we're hanging out backstage. Ginsby just played. I run into Chris Rowe from the Atari's Wall people. Chris, how the hell are you doing? Uh, just as good as when you didn't press record before. No, I'm yeah, just right. kidding. Uh, no, no, I'm doing awesome, man. I came out to see the replacements. Our band's uh, based out of Phoenix, Arizona now, and uh, so many good bands in this bill. Flag, Super Chung, uh, Against Me. And so, yeah, it just made sense, and uh, it's cool running into you as well. So. Yeah, so much better than the other time, but oh well. Yeah, that's all right. I know better than I should always have a second recorder in my hand. Uh, but uh, Real quick, but... Good. um. So how is it, you know, you're not playing this year. You didn't even try it. This is a vacation for you. Yes. How is it being at a festival and not having to do a damn thing but have a good time? It's amazing. And I, I like, I basically, for me, the coolest thing about going to a festival like this is that it's run by people who obviously love music, by music nerds and people who understand that a festival should be uh, more of like a kind of like personal experience and something that, that isn't like, um, you know, like some, some of the festivals like FYF or Fun 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 or... Or, or even warp they 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 know uh they cater it in a way where um it's just not it's a bunch of fucking snobby assholes <laughs> uh so you you've done warp tour a lot recently we were just talking yes. about this um how first it, it, it great question but i fucked it up didn't it record? Right. No. uh so how does warp tour playing it nowadays versus playing it then playing to a completely whole new set of well, of young I kids. think the biggest difference for us is that um, going out and playing that festival, it's such um, a uh, different core audience, and they probably, a lot of them probably are hearing us for the first time. So I take that as a fun challenge, and we just try to give it our best. And we had the same <clears throat> huge crowds. We did the main stage, and I was kind of intrepid going into it, but we fucking did great. And, um, you know, each day I felt like we won over a lot of new fans. Whereas before, yeah. there were people that would just be coming solely to see us, and I felt we won over less new fans. We were just like the band that were like, oh, cool, we're going to go see the Ataris and see Novax or see somebody else. So this year it was great because I, I saw a lot of kids that were probably 13, 14. They were like, I never heard your band, but I yeah. now I like your band. And that's that's like a fucking reason I do it. And I, I was really happy about it. That's great. But uh, hot and miserable as usual. That's one thing it never changes. <laughs> yeah, that's what's great about this is it's kind of fall weather. It's very nice now. Yeah, dusty sudden. but fucking brilliant weather. Yeah. Love it. You know, a week ago it was all flooded. Well, I don't I know. know if this was I've been flooded, watching the but news. It's, it's crazy to see. Crazy. Well, at least like out west was, you know. Um, so the replacements are back together. They're playing the show. Who would have ever fucking thought? I neither. You would have asked me a year ago if I ever thought I would have actually saw a replacement or even Westerberg play again solo. Yeah. Um, I, I would have told you no way. I doubt it. But uh, I'm glad they did. You know, when they started doing that Songs for Slim thing, I, I feel that probably sparked the fire and good good for them. Yeah. They they deserve it. There's a whole generation. If you look at like Gaslight Anthem and Against Me and all those bands, they were all obviously waving the flag for the replacements and it's good that the replacements came yeah. out and be like hey you know you heard all these bands that like our music and are influenced by it and now here the real thing and I'm sure this is just like Warped 2 there's a ton of fucking young kids out here that don't know who the replacements are yeah. and hope the fuck they'll stick around watch God, them so. and be changed <laughs> uh, what was your first encounter with the replacements um, okay, my first encounter with the replacements had to be I used to watch 120 minutes when I was a kid <laughs> yeah. and strangely it was when the replacements were probably on their final death knoll which was uh, you know obviously all shook down it was mostly Westerberg but uh, the video for Merrigaround 
and uh, I, I really liked it, but I thought, you know, this is really kind of pop. It was a different replacements, and uh, everyone else was probably getting out of the replacements. And then, obviously, I loved Westbrook's 14 songs and a lot of that stuff and as a kid. That, those were great tunes. And then, um, I don't know, I just went back and I bought Tim and then Pleased to Meet Me, and from that, I fucking, it just steamrolled, and, and uh, then I was like, okay, this is the replacements. And from there, I fell in love, and I hated the fact that Westerberg could write so many goddamn good songs in his <laughs> lifetime. There are a handful of those people that you know, just baffle me. Yeah. Bill Stevenson once told me, he goes, how can that fucking guy write so many fucking good songs? You know, he was just so like, I'm like, yeah, I know. He goes, don't you just fucking hate it? It's like, it's, ah. yeah. It's good impression too, by the way. Oh, uh, thanks. Um, so, I, we'll wrap this up. So, we never thought the replacements would ever play again live. Who, and who would you like to see that's to re- reunite once wow. again for the first time. That's a good question because because yeah. they they were definitely my first and foremost, and I never thought it'd happen. Right. But um, a buddy a buddy of mine said the Beatles, but that's obviously yeah. probably never. I mean, happened. there are these really really crazy things. I'm trying to think of somebody that actually maybe could be a possibility, but uh, uh, I don't know who else. Uh, I don't know. I have a few. I mean, you know, obviously everyone always says Jawbreaker, but I like Blake's. It's like I love Justin Brazil, and I like Forgetters. <laughs> But that would be cool, you know what his, I mean? But This new solo weird stuff is pretty cool, too. Yeah, I mean, I think the problem is, is, like, Blake, as a guy, has just, like, kind of lost his mind, you know, possibly, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think Brooklyn is a place for people that aren't Blake. And Blake, you know, he was from Brooklyn, I guess, right? And yeah. then, you know, I think the thing is, is you need a good group of people to keep you sane and grounded. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I think he's still the same amazing songwriter, and if not better. His songs are just as fucking good and... and and he blows my mind how good of a songwriter he is. But yeah, I mean, it's cool if you, as an artist, don't completely de- denounce something you wrote. Like if, if let's say, um, without making this a long-winded answer, I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I just, yeah, I just feel you have a lot of, you have a lot of albums under your belt. You have a lot of songs in your belt. Realize that some of those songs are new to your audience for the first time, and uh, don't fucking just flip the fucking finger at your entire back catalog. Yeah, you know, sure. I get it. You don't want to fucking be nostalgia trip. That's cool. You don't have to do that. But like. Play a fucking few of those songs, even if it's called Forgetters or called whatever. I mean, I, I get the irony. Throw in the kiss the bottle cover. Yeah, or whatever, yeah. something. I mean, because there are a million people who would have loved to say they wrote those fucking songs. Yeah. You know, so that that's cool. But yeah, cool. Jawbreaker. Necessarily, Dustbin. They still play in the UK, but it'd be great. Nobody else would give a shit, but I would go see them again. I'd go uh, see them. The, yeah, this would be the perfect <laughs> setting for them. Right exactly, because right. there still would be people that would come see them. Yeah, so um, that'd be another one. <laughs> so real quick, what's uh, what's next for the Atari? Anything? Yes, we have uh, Australia in November with uh, the Great Gin, Reunited Black yes. Flag, and Bad Astronaut off of their heads, some other bands, yeah, Snuff, no fun at all. It's a good lineup. Yeah, it's going to be good, like an older <laughs> older warp, yeah. Um, and then uh, a couple festivals in Mexico City, Guadalajara for the first time, and then uh, next year in March, we'll be doing shit that people will actually care about, uh, doing a tour in the States, probably. Uh, can't say much about it yet, but it'll be a really cool thing that's special for our fans, and hopefully we'll get some people that have not listened to us in a while to come back on board and check Kill it out. It. So. Chris, thanks for talking yeah, to me twice now. Well, all right, buddies. Well, uh, thanks again to Chris Rowe. Thanks again to Adam from the Copyrights for hanging out and talking to us on this episode. And again, I apologize. This, I apologize for not having more and better Riot Fest coverage. Again, you can read my recap at newnoisemagazine.com. I'm not yet done writing it. Uh, it probably won't be up till Monday or Tuesday. Uh, this episode's going to go up on Friday, uh, the Friday beforehand, Friday the 27th. Eh. 
Shit happens. Next year we're going to be better prepared. Next year we're going to have an all-access pass that gets us even more exclusive uh, access into areas. I don't know how it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. It's going to happen through one of the bands we know. It's going to happen through one of the many jobs I've just undertaken here in Denver. But it's going to happen, friends. It's going to happen. Uh, if this is your first time listening to the mostlyharmlesspodcast.com, please go to our website, mostlyharmlesspodcast.com, mhpod.com if you're lazy like me. Uh, like us on iTunes. Subscribe to us on Facebook. I know I got that backwards. I did it on purpose. Just wanted to see if you were listening. Uh, go ahead and leave us a little iTunes review. Every little thing helps. And honestly, the more the more subscribers we get on iTunes, the better ranking we get, the more listeners we get, the more sponsorships we can obtain. Uh, that's what we're working on right now. We're living in Denver, Colorado. Expect an episode every week from now on. I'm hoping to get back on schedule to getting these up on Monday, but I'm still recovering from Riot Fest AIDS. Um, man dust and dirt everywhere um thanks again for listening friends we're gonna go ahead and close this out with my highlight of the entire fucking thing i somehow ended up backstage during the replacements i will cover that in my uh newnoisemagazine.com review i don't know i i know how i did it but oh my god i still can't believe we did it um but i'm gonna go ahead and play you i took a video because even though i hate people taking videos that's what you do when you're backstage watching the replacements who, who ah, I'm still just flabbergasted that it happened. Uh, this the video I, I threw up on YouTube that night. It's already got like almost 1,500 downloads or watches on YouTube. It's mind blowing. Uh, you can find this video over at mostlyharmlesspodcast.com as well, along with a video of Bastards Young. But for this, uh, for ending this episode, we're gonna go ahead and do Can't Hardly Wait. This is recorded backstage on my cell phone. During Riot Fest Denver. I can't believe I can't fucking believe it happened. Alright, buddies. Let's uh we'll see you in the funny pages. How's that? How's about that? We'll see you in the funny pages, friends. Tune in next week. Next week we got Goldfinger. I can't believe it. It's gonna be crazy. Bye guys. <laughs>